Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Edvolution Podcast, where we question what makes our life truly ours. I'm Shereen Jaffer, and I'm very excited to introduce you to some incredible people with fascinating stories. I've got Rebecca Jacobs here with me. She's the founder of Annika Works. This is actually the first time I'm talking to Rebecca. Uh, We met through a female founder community group, and she sent me literally one message about her story, and I told her we had to talk. So here's Rebecca. I am so glad to have you here. Thanks so much for joining. It is such a pleasure to be here. Um, Yes, I I really resonated with uh, you and that community. I, I think it's so fabulous that communities like this are starting to pop up because it can bring together people in such beautiful ways like this. Um, so I'm really excited to, to get to know you better through this podcast. Yeah, me too. So when you messaged me, you said you were studying business in college, you were on this path to the corporate world, and then you made this major pivot and ended up in Tanzania and discovered a whole set of challenges and problems and good things there. So I'm super excited to dive deeper into your story. But Rebecca, let's start off with, you know, where everything started with your childhood. Tell us a little bit more about how you grew up and uh, what was success for you growing up? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it it does always start with childhood, doesn't it? Um, Basically, uh, I grew up uh, in Toronto, Canada. So that's where I am right now. I actually grew up in a household uh, with an entrepreneur. So my dad owned his own business. And so I grew up in love with the idea of starting my own business. And uh, he always included me in in sort of that dream of his as I started to get a little bit older. Even in the fifth grade, I was <laughs> writing in my yearbook that I wanted to be an entrepreneur when I grew up and I couldn't even spell it at the time. <laughs> so, um, it's it's been sort of in my blood, uh, really, from the beginning. Um, but I, I think the sort of beautiful thing about all of that uh, was that at a young age, it was never really about having to do what I was told. I think my both my parents always really encouraged me to just go 110% into whatever it is that I, I wanted to do and, and to fully um, embrace that. So um, I think you know, talking about the corporate world and how I started to fall down that path was actually um, probably because I, so I got a taste of what entrepreneurship meant. Um, but then unfortunately, my dad actually passed away when I was nine years old. Um, so so I kind of, uh, you know, he was my best friend and, and my partner in crime, and I got a taste of what his life was like. And so uh, for a while, I, I tried to follow in those footsteps and, and figure out, you know, how to take that same path without exactly understanding what what that would mean for me as my own uh, woman. Now that I, you know, am that goal and that dream that I had for myself of being an entrepreneur. I think more than anything, I I knew that it was what I wanted, but I didn't really know practically what it looked like. So I sort of I, I fell into the the pattern and the the sort of pipeline that a lot of people get fed into at a certain point of. Um, you know, you you think that this is what it means to to kind of check that box of to to have a business. You have to go to business school, um, and so I think as part of that conditioning, I ended up really um, getting taught that the path to success through business was you know through things like finance or accounting. And um, from pretty early on in my in my education, I I felt a bit of a disconnect from a human standpoint. Um, I picked up the skill set, but I 
I just thought, oh man, I don't think I can do this forever. I don't think this is how this is supposed to look for me. And this is you talking about business school when you were learning finance and you know sales and marketing in, in the traditional undergrad business school format, you felt like, oh, this isn't this isn't what I think it should look like. Is that what you're referring to? Exactly. So I like I sort of took away and I, I did spend a lot of my time around uh, data analytics and finance. And so I, I joined investment fund clubs and, and things like that. And I format of it, the structure of it, the way that the knowledge that I had learned and the, the insight about how the world works and how businesses function, you know, being in, in sort of a finance setting, for example, and thinking about wealth management, I was really constantly coming back to myself thinking, okay, but I'm just helping the rich get richer <laughs> um, or even consulting projects and that kind of thing. I always found myself thinking about the person that I was serving and how that, that it wasn't the right person. It was, um, I, I wasn't operating in the, the sort of space that made me feel like I was really contributing to the world. Got it. Very interesting. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that background. And I'm sorry to hear about your dad, but I'm so happy that he served as such a strong inspiration in your life and uh, really helped you reflect on your path to entrepreneurship. So tell me, you know, you're you're having this realization in college. Um, initially, you thought going to college for business would allow you to start your own business and then very quickly realized, oh, I don't think I'm spending my time doing things that I want to do when it comes to starting my own venture. Uh, so what, as you're having those realizations, uh, what led you to, to, you know, eventually go to Tanzania? Uh, what was, where was that calling coming from? Uh, so I, I kind of started to get curious about travel and exploring new cultures and new communities because um, my school actually was in the U.S. So I was already traveling to start uh, my journey academically. But um, uh, my mom was actually sick as well. So uh, not to be a complete downer, but um, my mom was, was diagnosed with uh, lung cancer back in 2015. And so um, I had yet another sort of moment of grief and lo and the feelings of beginning um, to lose someone. And I, I think it, it was sort of a, a critical moment in my life because I had actually planned for a study abroad trip where I spent uh, a month living in Russia, a month living in China, and a month living in India. And so that moment of cultural immersion and experiencing life outside of myself intersected with this, this period of um, struggle and pain in my life. And so uh, I, I sort of had a, you know, what would I do if I had a year to live uh, moment? And I came to the conclusion that I would spend it serving the global community and, and trying to make a positive impact and, and leave the world a little bit better off than when I started. And so um, from there, I, I, in, I had the best time of my life on that trip. And I came back and I continued to think about ways to uh, to live that feeling in my entire career. And so um, ended up stumbling onto another experience, which led me to uh, first, I just did a, a trip with my, my school once again to work in um, Tanzania for a short period of time. But as I was there, I was also sort of um, trying to decide if I was uh, ready to take the leap and actually move there full time for two years. And I, I did it. Uh, I, I 
came back from that short trip and I thought, you know what, this is, um, this is where I feel most alive and this is where I feel closest to what I define to be um, entrepreneurship and what I define to be career success. That's awesome. That's incredible. I think entrepreneurship definitely can be defined. Well, of course, there's, you know, the traditional definition, but I had a similar experience. I went to USC and LA for entrepreneurship. Um, But my major was business. I was part of the Marshall School of Business. Entrepreneurship was simply a concentration or emphasis that you could explore. And I remember in my entrepreneurship classes, the things I was learning compared to what I was experiencing in the field, starting my own you know, business. It was a project at the time, but starting my business. And then of course, what I was hearing from you know, entrepreneurs that were quote unquote successful already and you know, the advice that they were giving out, everything kind of conflicted. And it really came down to experiencing it for myself and defining entrepreneurship for myself and how I want to express it. So I love that you were able to do that through these trips and through these, you know, cultural immersion experiences. Uh, So tell us a little bit more about Tanzania and what you experienced and where it led you. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So um, my first work experience in Tanzania was very much what I would think to be the dream job. (laughs) Um, So it was the opportunity to start up and, and pilot a center for entrepreneurship um, in a community there that we, uh, so I was representing my my school at the time, and uh, we had established relationships, and it felt I, like this very natural yeah. coming together of those two value systems that I was growing inside of myself at the same time. So the, as you mentioned, you know, entrepreneurship, but in a really practical, authentic way, and not just the textbook stuff. Yes. <laughs> um, with, you know, need and, and call to serve um, the community in a real and dedicated way. And so um, I ended up, uh, I, I moved there in 2017. And uh, basically, we were doing all sorts of things. But part of it included uh, running after school entrepreneurship classes for secondary school students. Uh, we were doing consulting projects with uh, local small businesses. Oh, it was incredible. <laughs> Every time I talk about it or think about it, I'm just brought back to this place of wonder and gratitude uh, because it was an absolute privilege to be able to immerse myself in that culture, in that community. And I was welcomed with such open arms. Do you think that I learned so much more from being able to to fully participate in um, life in in Tanzania and Karatu, uh, shout out to Karatu. Um, but it, yeah, I think more than anything, it was, it was just this moment of acceptance of the fact that, you know, I, as much as I wanted to help and as much as I wanted to contribute, um, I was sort of a cog in this machine that was social impact work and international development. And I had only just begun to understand what that really truly meant. Um, and so as fantastic as it was, as as much as I feel connected to uh, Karatu, Tanzania, as my home and, and as a part of me that I will never truly leave, um, I also felt pretty disillusioned by um, how it all worked once I got into the thick of it. Um, so I sort of came to this realization that doing good work, so to speak, is not intrinsically good. And there are so many opportunities for um, 
for harm and for mismanagement and for uh, lack of resourcing around what is important. And so, um, yeah, that was basically my, my experience in Tanzania was beautiful and messy as most of life, most of life's experiences are. Beautiful and messy. Interesting. So, well, now I I was always fascinated by your story, but now I'm even more intrigued. So tell me a little bit more about what you mean, um, about the, you know, the messy part. Um, I think, you're right in the sense that I work with a lot of college students and I work with a lot of adults who are also just questioning what they really want to do in life. And most of them talk about, you know, maybe I need to go visit another culture and contribute and bring my skill set. And, you know, doing good work is oftentimes just seen as that good work that you do. So tell us about the things that you noticed. Uh, and, Ultimately, after Tanzania and spending, you know, the time there, where did you go next? Uh, what type of work did you start doing based on those experiences? Yes, beautiful and messy. Going back to that, uh, so I guess touching on the messy a little bit more. Um, something that I observed not just within myself and and sort of the work and the projects that I had going on, but also in the broader community of nonprofits um, and just you know, social impact work in general in the area, as you referred to, it's, um, you know, it's, it's where our world is moving. Everybody wants to have this sort of purpose-driven career and purpose-driven life. And so um, there are a lot of spaces, Tanzania included, that have sort of become hubs for that kind of work. Uh, the space that I was in, I just, I really started to see that, you know, the, the work that was being done that was truly um, grown from the community members was was something that people wanted, was something that people needed and had very tangible benefits for people, which, you know, is, is sometimes hard uh, to measure. Uh, you know, you want to call it grassroots work versus the, the top-down approach of people coming in and thinking that they know better than everyone else that already lives there. That kind of work was incredibly challenging because you know, the, the kinds of people that are really immersed and dedicated to that sort of work and the leadership that happens in those projects, um, it's it's so, so tough to not, um, to survive it. I, I don't know if there's a better way to put it than that, but um, so many leaders uh, in this sector were struggling with, you know, burnout, were struggling with getting access to resources, whether they were, um, you know, team, whether it was financial resources to make their ends meet and pay their next uh, check to, to their stakeholders, it it almost felt like the, and I think this was particularly hard for me to look at and not act on because I had come from a corporate background, um, but, you know, that it's like the, the projects and the ideas and the execution that was happening that was so beautiful and i personally believed deserved to be over-resourced was incredibly under-resourced. Um, and then on the other hand, there are projects that happen and initiatives that are out there that, you know, going back to what I said before, are a little bit more top-down and are a little bit more uh, glamorous looking on the outside and tend to get the bigger checks and tend to get more support externally, but uh, also happen to do a lot of harm along the way. Um, and so I guess, you know, all of which to say it, it was a very real 
an honest look at how life can sometimes be a little bit unbalanced. The, the great, great work that is happening can sometimes go unnoticed. And that frustrated me to no end. <laughs> so do you feel uh, like, you know, was this a common discussion while you were on the ground working? Do you feel like other people working alongside you felt those same frustrations? Um, or do you feel like you were solo in that? Um, I, it was definitely a common thread. So I think it started from me thinking, oh, this doesn't feel right for me. Maybe this is just the way that I'm navigating through this project. Maybe it's, I haven't learned enough about the industry yet. But then I started to look around me and outside of my own experience and talk to my mentors, talk to my my own community and network of people that I'd started to grow, both within the community that I was immersed in, but also um, in other parts of the world. So um, to answer your question, I, I think what I very quickly realized is that it is more common than not. And it's something that almost has become normalized uh, and, and sort of accepted in ways that I personally was infuriated by. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, you know, when I started doing a lot of social entrepreneurship type projects. Um, you know, social entrepreneurship as a term, I hadn't heard of it until I was in college and USC had just opened their like social entrepreneurship program. And so many of the discussions we were having there was around, you know, going into communities and rebuilding. And I remember that time I my and a lot of people were talking about it, but you know, our biggest concerns were, well, we don't know anything about these cultures. We don't know anything about you know, how things have been done and why, and who are we to believe that we can do everything better? Um, so that was definitely a concern coming up over and over again. And I found that it was a common thread that more people were realizing there's a lot of complexity, complexity when it comes to doing good work that people were, I guess, talking about, but in more of a, you know, let's have this conversation, but no one knew how to act on it. Um, so I'm I'm interested to know, Rebecca, you know, as you are seeing this common thread within the discussions you're having, ultimately, what were the actions, you know, you ended up taking um, and what 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 did that work look like? Um, yes. And, and I appreciate you mentioning that as well. I think it's it is it is the tough conversation to have to, to sort of see that and acknowledge that, uh, especially when, you know, as you mentioned, we're we're all in it for the right reasons, we all have good intentions, uh, but sometimes those good intentions can lead to harmful actions without us even not like acknowledging or knowing it. How did I act on it? Uh, I'm um, still that I, I took some time to really listen. So I ended up going back um, to Tanzania and I volunteered with a nonprofit that I deeply respect. And I learned as much as I could uh, about the, the experience of that founder and, and how she sort of was able to navigate this world of, of under-resourcing and burnout and, you know, all of the things that I mentioned before. And then from there, I started to think about how I could solve it from a business perspective. And that's where I guess I've come full circle and, and come back to entrepreneurship once again a little bit. But, um, I am a founder of my own business now. We're called Annika Works. So um, our one-liner is basically that... Uh, we are building a matchmaking platform for social impact leaders um, to help them prepare, connect, and grow their organizations, specifically their nonprofits, 
um, so that they can focus on what really matters, which is doing that good work. I and truly believe that, you know, if you allow people to, to really focus on doing that good work and engaging in meaningful ways in communities, um, and, and we take on the stuff that's a little bit less exciting, like the, um, figuring out how to plan your budgets and fundraising and all of that stuff that really is external facing and requires a little bit more of the glam and the glitz. Uh, then maybe we'll we'll find that beautiful intersection of people that are doing that really great work and uh, the ability to kind of promote them. That's incredible. Thank you for sharing that, and I'm and thank you for doing that work and and bringing you know those people together and supporting them. Um, it's it's very much needed. And you know I, I want to go back, Rebecca, to you said you left for Tanzania in 2017. Uh, yes. Okay, so, you know, you've just graduated and you're going to Tanzania. Um, how, was it, how was that like with, you know, the people you graduated with? Um, was that a common thing for people to do? Or did you come across uh, a variety of opinions on that decision that you made? Um, that is a great question. <laughs> I definitely came across a variety of opinions. Um, some I will exclude from this conversation because they um, are just too ridiculous to even say out loud. And and I got people who thought uh, that I was flushing my life down the toilet uh, and people that, that uh, you know, understood and, and kind of, you know, thought that I was a bleeding heart so that it made sense, but they didn't really see the sustainability of it. And because I, I think uh, it's what we were all trained to think. Um, you know, we, my paycheck was, oh gosh, I don't know, like a, a tenth of what my classmates were getting straight out of college. Um, so for a lot of reasons, it, it made sense that there was a strong reaction and that, uh, you know, it, it, not everyone could sort of see the, uh, I guess the value in it from a, personal and professional perspective. Um, although maybe they could see the, the sort of do-gooder um, value of it. I, I will say, though, I'm very lucky. Um, I could not have done it without the support of um, my family and, and some of my closest friends, who to this day I still am very, very close to. Um, I, I will say, you know, at this point in my life, I've had some pretty interesting adventures, and uh, I definitely have no regrets about any of it and, and where it's brought me to today. So I, you know, I, I would say that most of the people in my life that have been able to sort of watch me grow through this um, have had all sorts of feelings about it, but ultimately they, um, they appreciate where it's brought me. So. Yeah. And I, I love that you obviously look back to your experience at Tanzania. It's inspired so much of what you're doing now. And, you know, you, you have those great feelings, of course, of, of just the beauty and, the open arms that welcomed you. So I love that. Uh, but tell us a little, of course, you didn't experience any of that when you made the decision to go there and take this chance. So tell us a little bit more about what you were feeling when you were getting those variety of opinions. And, you know, what, if you can, you know, remember really what, what those feelings were like, and what gave you the courage to still have that conviction in your decision to make the move and take that chance on yourself? you're right. I, you know, I won't sugarcoat it. It was, it was hard. It was, um, I, I definitely flipped back and forth quite a bit. 
and actually since then I, I've had the privilege of, of mentoring uh, some people that have also wanted to take that leap in their own lives. And many times the reason that that decision is not made is because of you know, their own communities, their families um, that maybe aren't able to be supportive. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's very real. It's, uh, I don't think at the end of the day, I think as humans, we all want to feel like we belong and we all want to feel like the people around us support us and believe in us um, and approve of us to some extent. So, it depended on who the feedback was from. I think I've, uh, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how best to handle criticism and, and handle people that don't really understand what my path in life looks like. In those moments of insecurity, I would just come back to why am I doing this? Why the world ended in a year, which some days at this time kind of feels like it might. What what would I have to show for it? And what would I feel proud in myself of having done? Um, and I think maybe because of sort of the, the way that I grew up in um, understanding that, you know, impermanence is a thing uh, and, and the people in our lives are, are not always here forever. Um, I think that sometimes has given me a bit more perspective into to how I deal with people um, in general, when when I have a, a sort of different viewpoint than them, is is that uh, we're we're all in this earth for a short period of time, and we all choose to live it in what way makes sense to us. Uh, and we all go through pain, and we all go through loss, and that shapes how we see things, and that shapes how we feel about certain things. Uh, and so, I guess part of it was, you know, recognizing that at the end of the day those people would probably not be around in a year, but also um, I tried as best as I could to have a little bit of empathy uh, for the fact that, that maybe they were seeing it through this lens because they hadn't been shown anything else. Um, and as much as I have had, you know, these painful experiences in my life, they've given me opportunities to, to look at life differently. And, and not everybody has had that. Yeah. I think that's so powerful. I mean, two things you mentioned, Rebecca, that really stood out to me is one you know, the power of just asking yourself why you're doing something. And this goes for both, you know, decisions you want to make that you may not have the confidence in yet, you're still developing conviction and just going back to the why it matters to help you build that confidence. And then also on the other side of things, when you're doing things and they don't quite feel right to you and just questioning why are you living the lifestyle you're living or why are you doing the type of work you're doing or why are you making the decisions you're making? I think there's so much power in consistently, honestly, having that sort of reflection. Uh, so I love that you pointed that out and, and went to that when you were making this decision for yourself. And, you know, number two that you really mentioned is having empathy for people's opinions, even if they're you know, not necessarily encouraging you and not necessarily sharing the most positive words. I think what helps me, I, I agree with you, what helps me overcome that or or just embrace it honestly is is trying to understand from what lens are they giving you that opinion and objectively being able to look at it and not taking things personally because at the end of the day you have to develop conviction for yourself and and live the life you want. And not everyone is going to agree with that. And, and you don't need that validation. You don't need that external validation. If anything, you can learn from other people's opinions 
uh, by just, again, going back to what you said, Rebecca, seeing it from what lens they're viewing it and what type of life experiences they've had. And I'm sure as you started Annika Works, uh, you, you came back to getting a ton of opinions on, on that venture and, and being in this industry. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about that journey. How has it been since you've launched Annika Works? Um, yes, I, I think uh, I, I totally echo all of your points. And um, absolutely, I got a whole new wave of what do you think you're doing? <laughs> uh, when I came to starting Annika Works, uh, it, I mean, I, th- I think I had practiced for so long taking risks in my life and doing things that felt right for me um, in the big ways, in the ways that mattered, uh, that by the time I had actually started the company, <laughs> I, I think people had much lower expectations of how I would handle myself. So lower in the sense of um, they stopped making assumptions about how I would behave. Uh, and that was a blessing. Yeah, <laughs> that was, awesome. um, yeah, that was uh, I think it's given me so much more freedom to, to um, sort of make decisions around my business, to take risks with my business, to feel confident in my own skin as a leader. I definitely would not have had that level of uh, conviction in my beliefs had I not been questioned so much earlier on. Uh, and, and as I said, you know, I'm still getting questions. I think sometimes uh, the lens of those questions are uh, from an advisory standpoint, from just trying to be helpful, um, you know, because people care about me and they want to make sure that I'm successful and I'm, and again, successful, meaning different things to different people. <laughs> um, but yeah, ultimately, uh, I think it, even if it's not, even if it, it comes from a place of ego or some other, you know, unforeseen factor in somebody's life, I, I continue to reflect on this journey that I've had up until this point and all of that I've been able to overcome and, and kind of experience and the, the sort of fullness that my life has, uh, despite having made absolutely every choice that was, you know, contradictory to what the majority of people in my communities at the time were doing. Um, so I think that's, that's how I, you know, continue to, to keep going. And I remind myself not to let things bother me too, too much is, is because every decision that I've made up until this point has led to some pretty incredible story and, and really invaluable lessons about what it means to be alive, what it means to be human, what it means to love and and learn and and grow and contribute to the world. So yeah, I I think uh, it's a little bit now as as I get older and as I'm continuing to do this and take risks, it's it's almost like riding a bike, you know, it's (laughs) I'm I'm kind of used to it now. I I know what kinds of critiques I'm going to get and I know how to respond to them lovingly, um, and still maintain my course. I, yeah, I, I love that. And I can't agree more. I think that your confidence just builds over time. And, and honestly, the confidence in taking the chance on yourself and <laughs> the confidence in betting on yourself and aligning yourself with what you believe feels right. Uh, that's a skill. <laughs> that's a skill that, you know, is often not developed because again, we're so used to living life the way we're told to live it or what you know people tell us will lead us to our success so again I'm so happy that you you've come to a point where people 
you know, don't, they, they don't feel the need to say anything to you because they know that you figured it out before and you'll figure it out again. And, you know, I, I say this a lot to people who are still, I mean, we always get criticized that that's and nothing's going to stop. I think it lessens over time, but you know, people that are in the journey right now where everyone is giving them an opinion and not necessarily supportive of their actions. If you truly believe that what you're doing, or if you just even have an inkling, sometimes we don't know, uh, we don't have the hundred percent confidence, but if you have an inkling that you just have to do something differently, instead of spending all of your energy and time fighting or trying to answer to people's opinions and trying to give them an answer as to why what you're doing is justified and whatnot, invest that energy in just showing yourself that you can do it. And that, you know, following your truth, your inkling, whatever it may be, is worthwhile because that ultimately will show everybody else. Um, you know, and, and you're not doing it to prove anyone wrong. You're simply doing it to prove yourself right. And Rebecca, I love that, you know, you called out the more you do that, the, you know, whether it gets easier or not is different, but you just get more confident in being able to continue doing it. Absolutely. Um, yes. Yes. to all of what you said, I, I think it's, uh, and, and I'm, you know, I'm so grateful to, to be able to talk to you today because I think this was another moment of, um, you know, like, like you mentioned, we've never met before and here we are on a podcast together. And I think, um, this is sort of a beautiful moment for me as well of, of just remembering that, that, you know, we can do it. We can trust ourselves and take these risks and, and do things that maybe scare us a little bit or maybe are not the norm. Um, but at the end of the day, the one thing that, that you can always rely on is, um, is, is betting on yourself, is trusting in yourself and knowing that it might not be a straight path, but it's, it's going to be the path that's right for you. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it's a journey. It, like you said, it never really stops, but um, it, it is, it is a practice like anything else. And uh, if you keep to it and, and you kind of believe that it's important to practice, then um, it, it kind of opens you up to, to beautiful moments in life like this. I, oh, well, thank you for calling that out. I love that. And, you know, I, let's talk about struggle a little bit because so as you were talking, you know, I did, I'm, you know, it seems like you found a community obviously that encourages you and keeps you going now. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but a lot of people, and I felt this myself, this journey of betting on yourself and trying to figure out your path for lack of better words can be extremely lonely. It can feel lonely. It can feel like you're the only one who sees, you know, what you're working towards and no one else sees it. And so it can feel extremely um, just lonesome. So what do you think about that? Is that something you resonate with? Um, How, how have those feelings been throughout your journey? Oh, yes. Um, I think I, I have had to get comfortable with feeling alone a lot of the time. At first, I resented it a little bit. And at first, I would tell myself, you know, oh, if only I could just fit in or if only, you know, I could just have fun this weekend instead of working on this part of my business. Um, there's some days where you you feel your vision so fully, but you look around and nobody else can see what you're looking at. Um, totally. And I'm uh, still learning. I'm not 100% of the way there. I won't pretend to be, but... Um, I think 
couple things have happened over time for me. Uh, so the first thing is that, you know, I've, I've learned to appreciate the small moments of connection and the sort of um, the meaningful moments in unexpected places in unexpected ways, because, you know, my, my life has turned out to be pretty unexpected and um, kind of uh, outside of the norm. So it would make sense that a lot of my connections are kind of reflect that. And so, um, you know, whether it's somebody that has sort of come out of the blue and into my life for a day, uh, for a conversation, for for a few months um, at a time when I need them most, I, I, I try to look at those people and look at those kind of moments of connection and just be in awe of them and, and experience the, f- the full gratitude for things like that that happen. Because, uh, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's, it's hard to be completely in one setting and one community without a little bit of that group think coming up and a little bit of um, trying to fit in. Uh, and, and I think there are places and there are moments for, for being immersed in groups. Um, you know, our, our women uh, founders group being one of those places. Uh, but at the same time, I think, I think it's nice to sort of um, realize that the depth of connection and, and that, um, I guess, alleviation of the loneliness that we all feel, uh, it can happen you know, in really deep and beautiful ways that are not necessarily connected to a timeline or connected to the frequency of communication. Um, so, you know, some of my closest friends and supporters uh, don't live anywhere near me. <laughs> um, my community of people and, and cheerleaders has become very global. And so that means a lot of the time when I'm home, um, as much as I do love the community I have here, uh, you know, the people that see through the lens that aligns with mine are, are not necessarily people that I can uh, walk to the house of or, um, you know, go for a coffee with every other day. Um, and I've, I've kind of come to realize that tough as that can be and as lonely as that can be, um, it doesn't mean that, you know, I'm any less connected or any less I don't know, any less like alive than anybody else. If anything, maybe it's, it's as human as an experience as as one can have. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the feeling of feeling alive (laughs) a couple of times now. And it's funny because just last, I mean, we talk about this a lot, but my husband and I just last night, we're talking about what it means to feel alive. So tell me in, in, your opinion or how it feels for you what does the how would you describe the feeling of feeling alive that is a brilliant question um, i i think uh i will probably answer this one way now and as soon as we're um off our, our chat i'm gonna think of a thousand other ways to answer it uh so don't don't mind that but i i will say that as of this exact moment what it means to feel alive for me is to uh, is to feel a sense of uh, connection to sort of the the world as a whole and my place in it, uh, and also to acknowledge my own insignificance and to acknowledge the fact that life is short and that things end and change all the time, but also how fun and and freeing that is. <laughs> um, so you know, I, I think that's that's really it in a nutshell for me 
is is that, that beautiful realization that I am here for a minute and I can absolutely make the most of it if I want to. Yeah, totally. I um, I mean, yeah. There's, I, I feel like there are several feelings that can make you feel alive. So I totally don't. Uh, I'm not surprised that you'll come up with hundreds of different answers. Um, you know, Raid and I, my partner, we were talking about um, our definitions last night, and it came up because you know this week has been a grind for us. Like we are in a deep grind. We're trying on a lot of things. We're running a ton of experiments. We're just, we're working ridiculously hard and we love every minute of it because one, both of us do, you know, we've intentionally chosen to build a life where we, I get, I'll say sacrifice. It doesn't feel like sacrifice anymore, but at the time we sacrifice things that we thought we wanted. And the reason why they don't feel like sacrifices anymore is because we don't want them. Um, but we sacrifice things we thought we wanted for things that we know would make us feel aligned. And because we've intentionally done that, we're doing work that we genuinely care about that, you know, we can, it doesn't feel like quote unquote work. And so, you know, this week we've been just grinding and uh, right. And I looked at each other last night and said, wow, you know, these are the moments, these are the weeks where we feel like spectators, where we have such a heightened level of self-awareness that we know we're feeling pain, that we know that we're feeling, you know, feeling the stress that we can literally feel every part of our body experiencing something. And to us, that's what it means to feel alive. And it's amazing. And it's profound to not feel like, oh, we're just going day by day, waiting for the weekend, waiting for the hours to pass. Heck no, we're, we're genuinely feeling the impact of every minute, the positive and the, you know, not so positive. But to us, that's, that's feeling alive and that's beautiful. Um, so anyways, thought I'd share that. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, I could not have put it in better words. And, and I love that that is where you are in your life as well. Um, I, Congratulations for that moment, um, and and I'm sure for all of the work and all of the the journey that has gotten you to it. Oh, thank you. I mean, I, I feel the same way for you. Um, you know, let's let, a quick reflection. I mean, when you were as you were growing up, I feel like we all kind of have this picture in our heads of how our life will be, right, and what we think we should be doing or where we want to end up. So, throughout college or even before college. What image was that for you? Where did you really visualize yourself being? And thinking back to that visualization, how does it compare to where you are now? Ooh, um, <laughs> that one hit close to home. I for for a while, and um, you know, good chunk of it was probably contributed uh, by the fact that I was, you know, with my single single parent mom um, who worked several jobs to, to kind of make ends meet. And I was someone that worked from the age of 11, delivering the newspaper and uh, babysitting and all of the above. So I think I, I kind of imagined that I would be in a place where I was financially stable. I, and it wasn't something that I liked that I felt or I liked that I was envisioning it, but it, it seemed like the path um, the path to supporting my mom and being able to, you know, give back to her in the ways that she had sacrificed for me. 
Um, but it was always conflicting a little bit. It was like, that was there. And so that was at the forefront. And I kind of, you know, made a bunch of decisions at a younger age that, that supported that narrative. But then at the same time, there was this like, you know, pull within me of, ah, there's more to this life than that. You know it, uh, you know, that, that your life is going to be creative and, um, ways that you can't even imagine. And and so I I think that part of me has always been something that I I've tried not to lose um, sight of if even, you know, for periods of time, I, I kind of took direction that aligned more with that, that more external set of goals that I had. Um, And I, I will say I, I've kind of lived in both spheres, I've, I've lived paycheck to paycheck and I've lived comfortably. Um, and it's not something that I take lightly and it's, it's not something that I will ever, um, look at anybody harshly for, because I I think there is a level of stability that, you know, does make a difference in our lives from a financial perspective. And, you know, that's kind of the core of my own business model is to help uh, nonprofits get to that level of stability so that they can sort of be a little bit more free to to do the work that excites them. But in that same thread, I don't necessarily think that it um, it was valuable to me or it was um, serving me to be the driving force in my life. Uh, so so I think you know now where I'm at is I'm finally pulling that little the the small uh, voice that was nudging me in the other direction. I'm, I'm pulling it more towards, uh, you know, that now and, and allowing myself to really embrace that kind of uh, abstract vision of my life as just being an opportunity to learn and grow and experience things and hopefully share a little bit of that experience in a positive way. Um, so it's, it's definitely, you know, it was always there in me, but uh, it's become much more, much more of a driver of my life now than it ever was before. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. I was talking to someone just this morning, actually. And this is someone who he's well into his career. He's built a very successful career. He's, he's always had this inkling. He was sharing this with me this morning. He's always had this inkling that, you know, he, he doesn't, he, he has so many opinions on capitalism and consumerism, and he has very strong opinions on, you know, what we're doing to our world. However, he's a marketer and, you know, he's advertising and he's, he's obviously working within consumerism. And he's always been so afraid of speaking up about his opinions and how he actually feels because he also relies on the paycheck and he fears that if he speaks up about uh, you know, some of those topics that he's not going to find work or that he's not going, he's essentially going to pigeonhole himself uh, and not be able to pay the bills because what pays the bills for him is doing marketing work and whatnot. And just now, I think he's now probably 15 years into his career, maybe 10 years into his career. Just now he's kind of having this realization of, well, I've spent a lot of my hours doing work I don't align with. And yes, they pay the bills, but you know, how do I know that I, by speaking up and actually sharing my opinion and my perspective and combining that with this incredible skill set he has, you know, he was asking himself, well, 
What if that actually brings me projects that still pay the bills, but they're projects around raising awareness for the type of initiatives I actually care about bringing to this world? Because now more than ever, more people are doing, you know, are speaking up about how things are and why they don't need to be the way they are. And people are building successful businesses around those opinions. So it is very, it is very difficult to look at the money aspect of things and then also, you know, respond to that pull that a lot of us, I believe, have of, right, but like at what cost or what does money really mean and how does it help me create the life that I want to create, whether it's for my kids or myself or whatever it may be. I I think that push and pull and those conflicting sides are there in a lot of people. Um, and there's no right or wrong answer. I think it just comes down to how you think about it and and what your circumstance um, looks like and you know what options you're able to identify for yourself. But I think stories like yours really do help people at least you know, hopefully get hope in, in that there are options out there. And, and if you choose to listen to that voice in your head, that's pulling you in a different direction, that it could lead to these beautiful possibilities that you cannot imagine right now. Um, so again, I, I appreciate you sharing your story and, and, you know, telling us about that journey. Yes, thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to do so. I, I think, um, you know, part of it is, me just choosing to live this life and and to make the most of it, but I, but I also think that my life um, being able to share it in places like this and in ways like this, it it makes it that much more meaningful for me. And hopefully, um, like you said, hopefully uh, someone out there is able to feel some sort of way <laughs> after hearing this. So Rebecca, how can how can we follow along with Annika Works? How can we follow along with what you're doing? How can our listener listeners get in touch with you? Um, yes, yeah, so uh, definitely uh, keep an eye on us. We are somewhat in stealth mode right now, so we're going to be releasing uh, an updated website in a couple of weeks. But uh, you can check us out at uh, Annika Works, um, and we also have. Uh, you know, all of the social medias. I'm terrible at all of them, uh, but my co-founder, Kaylee, is fantastic and she uh, takes care of that for us. So uh, it's, you, you could probably find us just by searching Annika Works, but I think there might be like an underscore uh, period or something between the two words, depending on the platform. <laughs> awesome. And then if anyone wants to get in touch with you, Rebecca, uh, what's the best way to do that? Um, yeah, you can... Uh, Find me on LinkedIn. I, I know there are, my name is pretty common, so there's a bunch of me, but uh, you hopefully will be able to, to find me by searching my name and uh, Annika Works. Um, also, feel free to send me an email. Um, it is just my first name, so R-E-B-E-C-C-A at Annika.Works. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm around, and I, I think uh, the one thing that I, I would love to be able to do for anyone that hears this and, and kind of wants you know, to, to have someone listen to their stories is to be able to provide that listening ear uh, for them if, if they're at a different point in their journey and um, are, are kind of looking for, like you said, that that feeling of um, support and of community, because it is, it can be lonely. Um, and, and I think, you know, what are we all here for, if not to, to support each other through our journeys? Absolutely. And I love that. I think 
communities are becoming so, I mean, communities were always powerful and now we're seeing them take different shapes in, you know, in, in the digital landscape. So I appreciate you offering that. And, uh, I hope people get in touch with you. And again, thank you so much, Rebecca, for being here and sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. This was an absolute pleasure and I can't wait to uh, continue to get to know you offline.